Hi, friends. I'm Lauren. And I'm Katie. And welcome to OK, But Did You Know, a podcast where we talk about the TV and media that we love with a friend who's never seen it before. Today, we're recapping and chatting about Once Upon a Time, Episode 111, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. This episode aired on January 29th, 2012. It was written by Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss, and it was directed by Brian Spicer. I did tell you that uh, we would see this pairing of uh, writers again. They write, I think, together quite frequently in the first season. I don't know off the top of my head if they continue to do so after. Oh, no. Lauren doesn't know a a fact. I don't pay attention to the writers as often. I don't pay attention to writers at all. Yeah, the writers' rooms also circulate very frequently, so... Before we get into our chatting and minor chaos, uh, let's do a little bit of a synopsis for the episode. In the Enchanted Forest, after finding and freeing a genie, King Leopold brings him home to his castle so that he can find true love. In doing so, he introduces him to his wife, Regina, with whom the genie is immediately enamored. He sees how the king treats her and believes her to be his true love. However, they cannot be together while her marriage stands. To stop his love from freeing herself... He offers to kill the king so that they can be together. But when all is said and done, this was Regina's plan all along. To kill the king and remain blameless. When the genie refuses to leave, he makes the final wish on the lamp to never leave her side and is turned into her magic mirror. And in Storybrooke, following the massive storm, Henry's castle is destroyed. After Regina demolishes it, Emma is determined to do whatever it takes to show the town who she really is. When Sidney, now the disgraced former editor of the newspaper, approaches her about helping, she insists on doing this by the book, but soon realizes she won't get results unless she plays a little dirty. They discover that Regina stole $50,000 of funds from the city and confront her about her plans to build a second home at a council meeting. Ultimately, their plan is thwarted when it's revealed she was building a new, safer playground. Emma gave in to the fruit of the poisonous tree, and now she has to pay for it by keeping her distance from Henry. So you told me that you took a lot of notes this time. So why don't we start with those? Because I'm excited. So I started off. I'm like, because like Regina was so mad. I'm like, a storm just came through. So the castle is just now this bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is with Henry. He's not actively on anything. Yeah. He's not actively in danger. No. One thing I did love about that scene was when like Regina, uh, when uh, Emma rolls up to it. Um, and Henry goes like, she doesn't know this place. Like, or no, Emma asks, she doesn't know about this place. And he goes, no, this is our place. Literally half a second before Regina just drives right up. Like, does he have, she have a tracker on the kid? I mean, she knows everything. She knows everything. She's got eyes everywhere. I remember texting you this one. (laughs) I just wrote, I've seen too much Breaking Bad. (laughs) Because the whole time. We okay, so Steven and I have watched almost all of Breaking Bad. We told ourselves we really wanted to like finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started it. We watched all of it until we got to like season five, the last season. We watched mm-hmm. the first episode and we we're just never gone back. It's been over a year. We've never finished it. And every time I'm like, we should probably finish that. All I get is it kind of sucks. <laughs> Like, you're not wrong. No. It's just very repetitive. The same thing happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. For context, um, the because I think you just, you just mentioned Breaking Bad and it didn't even- Oh like, my God. Didn't even say- <laughs> So um, we can do a little bit of our IMDb uh, deep deep dive here. So Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Sidney Glass slash the genie slash the magic mirror slash I don't know what else they're going to throw onto him. Um, 
one of the roles that most people would know him by most likely is as uh, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad uh, and Better Call Saul. He's done a ton of stuff. Like his IMDb is actually is actually quite large. He's done like a lot of really cool stuff too. Uh, the ones that I pulled out that I know, um, he did Revolution, which was a very cool sci-fi actiony show uh, with Elizabeth Mitchell. Uh, he was nice. in the Maze Runner movies. He's um, El Lazo in one episode of Westworld, and another one of his major roles people would probably know him from uh, is as Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. Oh wow, I've not watched any of that. <laughs> I think we watched the first season of Mandalorian, except for the last episode of the first season. We just stopped. That's fair. I don't think he's in one episode of the first season of The Mandalorian. I don't remember exactly when you see his face. If anything, it might just be his voice. I don't remember. Um, I did watch Revolution. I at least watched the first season because that came out, I want to say, while I was in high school, which sounds right. It's It was like a show where all of electricity just shuts down for some reason oh my and then it's post-apocalyptic it was very cool i think it only got a couple of seasons though maybe one or two i i like post-apocalyptic i do yeah but what's funny about him and breaking bad because i never watched breaking bad so i have no context for this one of the reasons why i have so many scenes from the show memorized and i was telling katie this this story the uh, the other day um on the t- my tiktok account i've got my series of bad impression voiceovers uh where i dub myself over scenes from the show and I did a compilation of scenes that did weirdly well. Like it was such a random mishmash of voices and scenes and it, it got a couple hundred thousand views, I think. But the very first scene that I use is a scene from, I want to say it's 114, where he is mm-hmm. on screen. Like he like he's shown on screen, but he didn't have any lines. So I wasn't doing his voice. But the comment section was full of Gus was on Once Upon a Time. Like people kept asking this and I had no context for this. And like I was looking at the analytics and based off of the average view time, people are only watching the first like four clips. So I only had so many people to work off of. And it, it took me far too long to realize that was the name of his character on Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, the CGI of this episode. Yeah. Also, the facial hair on his like the facial hair on the genie yeah. was not very good. <laughs> no. But when I'm thinking of the CGI, let me find this note because I I have questions about this snake. Specifically about its digestive system. It's a cat dog situation. It's a cat dog situation. I was I was just kind of sitting here like, how does how does it do anything? You know, magic. We don't think about it. Magic. Um, I don't think we see the Agrabon Viper again. We do see its venom, however. Oh. Its venom gets used in a completely different way. Um, in a way that makes no sense, and I'm still kind of mad about it. But we don't see the viper itself. I think again. Gotcha. Um, I don't think Sydney is being genuine. Regina has to be behind this. I made multiple notes throughout my note taking because I take notes as I watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout the entire time, and I think I have another one. Um, I'm calling it Sydney is in love with Regina. <laughs> they did a very good close up shot of her touching his knee at the end, which like made me a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I was like, do we have another sheriff situation going on? Well, remember in the in the uh, Desperate Souls episode, you said, is Regina just going to keep sleeping with the sheriff? And my response was, Sydney wishes. Yeah, uh, you did say that. He would love that. Uh, and so one of my last notes, of course, being, I fucking knew it. I mm-hmm. fucking called it. Because as always. <laughs> Sydney Glass. I knew. I just knew. Well, again, like, especially with the directory of the flashbacks, of course he's still in her pocket. 
Oh, of course. Like, it was so obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have our nice little snippet of Snow and Charming. And I'm like, I'd like romantic gestures like this. But also, aren't they – there's a lot of affairs going on on this show. I mean, technically? There's really technically? only There's really only one. I, I really wouldn't consider Regina and the genie to be an, be an affair. Well, technically. <laughs> Couldn't it still – I guess it's an emo- it's an emotional affair, but it's also one sided. Well, he didn't know that. I mean, no, he didn't know that. But <laughs> affairs are treated interestingly in this show. Yeah, isn't da- David still with his wife? Yeah, David's still married. They're they they are just effectively having an affair right now. It's very cute though. It. <laughs> But again, we were talking last week, last in the last once episode, um, about like what's considered real at this point because like he's he's really technically never been married. They don't know this. We know this, but yeah. like is I mean, there's always something in the way keeping them from being together truly and fully. So in this case, yeah, the relationship all it can be is an affair. I found my other note about mm-hmm. the whole Sydney and Regina situation of like oh. them both being behind this. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I had this note because it's a lot of notes that I'm not used to having a lot of notes. Um, <laughs> I have to highlight mine. Oh God, I should probably get the same. It just says, look, if I'm right, then Emma's superpower is lacking because he's lying to her the entire time, but she's supposed to be able to pick up on lies. So... Mm-hmm. Well, again, what what I keep saying is it's whenever she's emotionally invested, her superpower does not work very well. She seems emotionally invested. Exactly. She's emotionally invested because she's doing all of this for Henry. Therefore, it clouds her judgment. And I do I do have notes on Leopold. Go read it. I don't is his name again with with the characters. Is his name even mentioned in this episode? I don't know if it is. I'm not sure. I, I know I've just told you his it? name is Leopold. It's got to be mentioned at least once, right? I don't know. I, I didn't pay that close enough attention. I know when I... The, the line where I recognize his name is from the next episode that he's featured in. But I don't know if it's in this one. Similar with like with Abigail or with Ruth. They just sometimes don't use people's names. Just so funny because like the way the Once Upon a Time timeline tends to work with these episodes when mm-hmm. he just said... Oh, you know, he's in a leather episode that explains it. They'll say it then. My note near the bottom just go, he did. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. <laughs> and that is once upon a time for you. This person's dead, but you're going to see them again. Well, because we're going to go backwards in time. There's a lot of time jumping. Yeah. Well, because it's more about what's thematically, what, what thematically makes sense to correlate with the Storybrooke situation versus... Showing us any form of chronological order, which is why I felt the need to suss it out for some particular reason. So I did write, I just said, okay, Leopold, I get loving your ex and your daughter. Mm-hmm. I get it. But this is so painful to watch for Regina. Yeah. So painful. I wrote down, to be fair, Leopold does completely ignore Regina. Like, how? This is a case for me where I forget what has been what's what's canon and what i came up with with my friends in the fan fiction community because ah. the in, the immediate thought that i have um is not from the show but i have to remember what i came up with and what i didn't and to be fair most of what i what i think i have a larger rant that i can go on a little bit later um mm-hmm. but 
because I don't want to take up I don't want to take up too much of the time going through your notes. But there's just he's not in the he's not in the show enough for there to be the massive spans of backstory that I have for him. But oh, he, he's not in that much of the show. So okay, that's fair. So I don't have a canon explanation for you in my exp- in my head canon explanation. He's just a jackass. I mean, I think that's in the show enough too. That too. And then I did put in all caps, why does he have her diary? I also wrote in all caps, he read her diary. That is not something you do. Nope. I loved the irony of the genie giving her the mirror, and Mm -hmm. that's where he ended up. Well, he said that, um, you know, he's he's granted a thousand and one wishes, which is a reference to Mm -hmm. a thousand and one nights. Um, and he's seen them end poorly a thousand and one times. So like, he'll never use this wish. And, you know, he, he, he uses the wish and it backfires in the most spectacular way of, I wish to never leave your side. He's just mm-hmm. been freed from, you know, kind of, you know, phenomenal cosmic powers, itty bitty living space to, um, a new itty bitty living space. And we do actually get to see the world behind the mirror. Ooh, that's exciting. In many, many years. We do get to see it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. We have, you're fine. I wrote, we have six minutes. Let's hope the printer is fast enough. I laughed so much during that because as a homeschooling mom, I have my own printer. I use it constantly. It never works right. No, it never does. The printers will always, uh, always backfire on you. Emma's uh, hard disk recovery unit is another like deus ex machina. Like when there, there's no software that any human being could have that could re- like reveal this this these kinds of hidden deleted files that quickly. Not a one. No, not a one. Not how that works. Um, and of course, later down, da- later down, I was like, oh my, Emma is really insulting her in front of everyone. Yeah. Like, that was rough. She went for it. I was like, shut up, Emma. Shut up. I mean, if she was right, how epic that would have been. To be fair, Regina probably shouldn't be taking city funds to build a playground. She probably should. I mean, I know she probably wanted to speed up the process because obviously it gets built very quickly. Um, but maybe, oh, go yeah. through the, maybe go through the proper channels before you build a playground. Because quite frankly, if the one major playground has been demolished, you can probably get like town council approval board like zoning board approval whatever to build a new playground it makes me kind of anxious and like curious of what else could be she could be hiding by doing this and speeding it along i'm like because you never know what regina's mm-hmm. hiding because like when emma pulls up the keys i'm like ooh. yeah the skeleton keys are cool that, those will come back uh in later uh in the case of the playground she generally she she genuinely is just building a playground that makes me actually really happy because we have so many discussions about how much she loves Henry. And I'm mm-hmm. like, thank goodness. <laughs> I don't have to speculate. <laughs> I know. And I love that it's designed after her castle. I, oh yeah. It's designed after her castle specifically. I didn't know it was her castle specifically. I just knew it was from the book. Yeah. Like it's it's the same design as the castle that we see in that episode that eventually like there are very, a couple palaces get mentioned. Snow mentions the summer palace a lot. But in one point, she literally mentions that Regina is traveling to the Summer Palace, but it's snowing. So I always have that question of why is she going to the Summer Palace in the winter? But um, once, you know, the world kind of figures itself out and you've got Snow and Charming and Regina, um, the palace that's like the the, the kind of cone looking thing where her, where her apple tree is, that will become, while well, it starts as uh, Leopold's 
castle, obviously, that will become her castle. She takes okay. it over. Um, and then I wrote in all caps, what the writer stole it. Oh, yeah, the stranger. I was going to say his name, but I don't want to say his name yet. Yeah, don't say I don't know it yet. No, I think you learn his name in two episodes. Good. I am ready for the next two because skin deep, I know what it is. Yeah. And I want to know what happened to Frederick. You get to learn what happened to Frederick. It's taking forever. And you get to learn the stranger's Um, name. And my, you ready for my? You ready for my last note? Tell me. Please don't call it a Honeycrisp apple again. <laughs> I know we're so traumatized by that. It's a red delicious. Okay, just say it. They are red delicious apples. All right. Told you I took a lot of notes. No, I know. I'm so happy. I love it. That's why I didn't want to interrupt you too much because I wanted to hear them. Oh, wait for the next one. Next one's Beauty and Beast, man. That's one that has audio and commentary, uh, so I'll get to listen to that one and give you some more information. Uh, that one is with Robert Carlyle and uh, Jen Espenson, which I am very excited. I haven't listened to that one in a while, so I am very excited to uh, to hear that and to have lots and lots of fun notes for you because I'm sure they'll have plenty, especially since one mm-hmm. of the commentary people is the writer of the episode and us being writers and book people. It's going to be great. Yes. I mean, it's completely based off my favorite fairy tale. Yeah, exactly. and, it's your, and it's your favorite fairy tale, exactly. It's my favorite fairy tale. Like, I used to watch the cartoon in mm-hmm. French. There you go. I, I also took quite a few notes of this one because I really enjoyed this episode. I like Regina Backstory to begin with, and I've got quite a few rants mm-hmm. planned. But I'll, I'll go through my notes first, and then I've got some fun facts. Because this is okay, but did you know? So, of course, we have fun facts. Always. Always. Um... So I, at the very beginning, I've got my case of blooper brain rot in the scene when Sydney walks over to Emma in the uh, in the diner, um, especially with with that opening line of "You want a side of bacon with that whiskey," which I just thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, then, hilarious. <laughs> then he's like, when he pulls out the card, all I see when he pulls out his business card. Although I did notice um, in different frames, his hand is underneath the card or on top of the card. This is the stupid stuff that I pay attention to. But the blooper of that was, I guess he couldn't find it or he had a hard time getting it out of his jacket pocket. So he's just fumbling and then he just goes, if I had a card, I'd give you one. Like, he's just like playing it off. He's like, he's like, just kind of staying with the drunk thing. But I just, I, it's just stuck in my mind. Yeah. There's no other way to explain this. We had a little bit more of All Magic Comes with a Price. It's through every vein, they possibly would just beat this into us. Again, with the destruction of the playground of the castle. Uh, I wrote down, I'll admit, while I agree that safety is more important, there are better ways to handle destroying your son's favorite space than by grabbing a bulldozer. Yeah, I I agree with that. There are, you know, like some, I don't know, there are better ways of going about that. Like, I'm I'm not against Regina's stance of like that Emma, that from her perspective, Emma's not concerned with Henry's safety just for ways around her. I, I understand the perspective, but there are more delicate ways to handle this like communication would be great just talking if anything just talk something that made me laugh uh was when they're working on trying to find the the files and mary margaret walks in uh, before she does her whole thing about like if it's the right thing to do even if it's bad you should like that doesn't that justifies it but her thing of Mm -hmm. like when they say that they're uh, looking for a way to uh, take down regina she just goes interesting work oh i approve (laughs) Like, right? I love sassy Mary Margaret. It makes me so happy. She she has plenty reason to not be happy with Regina, with everything going on mm-hmm. with with 
charming. Yeah. Because I can't remember. I can't, I'm never going to remember what his name is in each one. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, Regina hasn't exactly been the nicest towards Mary Margaret with all of it. In general, but then yeah. at the same time, I understand why Regina's not being super nice about it. Yeah. So, it is what it is. I love that now she's getting a little bit bolder. Because we'll see, like, some flashbacks of uh, Storybrooke before um, before Henry comes in. So we'll see, like, the beginning of the curse eventually. And Mary Margaret, as she is now in season one, is very different from how she was for the first 28 years of the curse. So mm-hmm. we're seeing bits of Snow White kind of coming in now that uh, David is awake, now that, you know, Emma's here and things are moving forward. And even, like, now that David's awake and the affair is happening... Um, we'll see over the next couple of episodes even um, a, sh- a greater shift in in my Margaret as well, which I just love to see that like like see like that character progression of kind of starting out as kind of like this meek person that's kind of walking around with like one shoulder kind of like you know not really wanting to be perceived to now kind of being this kind of sassy person, which I just really appreciate. Oh yeah. So I did write down in our notes uh, to talk a little bit about timing of things and geography in Storybrooke. More so than normal this time around, I've noticed some markers of how the show or how how the storybook arc has been progressing. Because they do give us some time markers that do not add up. In this episode specifically, because if we're operating under the assumption that the writers have given us that they've kind of confirmed that Emma's birthday is October 22nd, I think is what we've determined, because that's the day that's the day of the premiere. By my best guess... We are probably seven to eight weeks, maybe less, out from then. However, so that would put us, so end of October, this would put us into December, end of December-ish. Mm-hmm. They make a point of showing us, like, fall foliage a lot in this episode. Like, a lot of, like, the trees outside of the, uh, outside of Town Hall are very much, like, this is fall foliage about to fall down. That would make it more early fall. So that's incorrect. But the next episode is a Valentine's Day episode. And the, the thing that just can, that is why I'm coming up with this like seven weeks or so is um, we know that it was two weeks between The Heart of the Lonely Hunter and Desperate Souls because uh, Mr. Gold says to Emma that after two weeks, the um, the the promotion from deputy to sheriff is is automatic. And then in uh, True North, Emma says that she had been there for a month when she talks to the guy at the at the garage um she's been there a month by true north and two weeks of that is a time we don't see so there's probably only about two weeks between the pilot and heart is only hunter roughly but regina has a line in this episode and this is one of the few lines that i wrote down i don't have this one memorized i did write this one down i have another one in a bit (laughs) um that regina says uh if they're missing then i probably check them out in regards to the um the missing files if they're missing, then I probably checked them out, as my job often requires me to. And if they were checked out three weeks ago, well, that means they burned in a fire. In a fire that I recall got you elected sheriff. So there's three weeks between Desperate Souls and Fruit of the Poisonous Tree. And there's three episodes in that time. So that fits. But, like, that that means it's, like, it's not a whole lot of time between uh, when she gets there and right now. It's probably, a, it's probably mid-December if we're operating under her birthday being the end of October. So that means that there's like six weeks between this episode and the next one. Honestly, at this point, I'm just choosing to ignore this. The timing of it does not add up. 
They took a holiday break. Well, they did. Yeah, they, they took a holiday break. But it's just it's the not paying attention to things. This is also why I like to remind people when they talk about certain things about the show in its entirety. It spans six seasons. Like the first, the, ma- the main arc, the, ma- the main arc with these characters spans the first six seasons. And there's they change things in season seven. The, but that main arc is not six years, despite the fact that Jared Gilmore, because he's a kid, he's six years older. It's much more, much more, you know, prevalent with him. So he's 16, mm-hmm. 17 by the end of the run. Henry isn't. That's interesting. Yeah, there will be some time jumps to kind of help us move forward a little bit. But like, it's not every week is not every week is not or every episode isn't, you know, a new week. Some things are happening right after the other. It gets to be a bit confusing if you look at it too closely like i do that is a really fast time to become sheriff mm-hmm. of a new town yep that's gonna mess with my brain for yeah a little while again it's the kind of things of if you start putting real world logic on this it really does tend to disintegrate really quickly and as the person that's in charge of the bobs episodes you would think that i wouldn't put too much real world on anything but what <laughs> do i do <laughs> constantly <laughs> yeah that's the thing with like even the storybook stuff like i i understand especially in the first season because it's very much the fantasy and the real world aspect of it are very separate so it's easy to kind of forget that even in the storybook stuff there is still a fantasy element to it and therefore our suspension of disbelief should truthfully be just as high mm-hmm. so i kind of while i am thinking about it and i'm like trying to figure out what we're doing here i'm like this isn't adding up we're going to ignore this and I, I reject your canon and substitute my own. <laughs> in, the, in the same vein of uh, distance in Storybrooke and the size of Storybrooke. Another line that I wrote, I wrote this one down. I don't know why I don't have this okay. one memorized because it's funny, but I wrote it down. It's Emma's line about how they have six minutes. Emma breaks window. Who does the alarm system alert? The police. I'm the police. Two minutes for her to get a call from the alarm company. One minute to get her code and keys. Three minutes to drive here. We got maybe six minutes. There's three minutes for her. So three minutes for her to drive from her house to, you know, town to town hall. I gave this a rough estimate of it being, you know, 25 miles per hour on local roads, which means it's about a mile and a quarter from her house to the office. This town is likely two miles at most in radius. So I ask again, why is there a school bus? They just they wanted to make the kids happy. I mean, like, legally they're required to. I don't know. But it just this town isn't big enough. They, these kids could literally walk to school. They really... And Henry does on a number of occasions. And I will say, like, as a mother of small children, I used to drive... When I when my kid did go to public school, I used mm-hmm. to drive and pick her up. We lived so close to the school. like, mm-hmm. And when they're that little, it makes me nervous to put them on a bus. Yeah, that's fair. Because you, you don't know what's happening and they're 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 so little. They're like four. They're like five years old. Yeah. And you got like fifth graders on the bus. You don't want your five year old with, you know, mm-hmm. a kid starting to go through puberty. Yeah. So. No. It, I, I, the, I have the question too, but it's, it's, I guess, the sense of community. I suppose. Or just it's, it's, it's naturally expected of a town to have a school bus system. So they have to. <laughs> here's your answer it's the curse the, because curse because <laughs> magic the magic said there had to be a school bus exactly uh the genie's line of what if the king didn't live oh how could you possibly come up with this plan that i totally totally didn't have already but with that i did also write this down and i do wonder 
how Regina got Henry to um, to do this with to with the box and the genie, like ha- Henry Senior, I should say. Osba, I was so confused for a second because I'm like, I don't, I don't think Sydney knew about the box that Henry had. Yeah, no, not that one. Yeah, I, I, I realized that was hard to say. So it makes me wonder with in the in the fairy tale land <laughs> section with uh, with the genie, how Regina got her father to bring the box out and convince the genie to bring it to her, because. There's no way she could do that without telling him what was in it. But he would likely never condone her attempting to unalive herself. Nor would he really condone her trying to do that to the king. I understand he probably wants her Um, to be free, but I don't really see him condoning that. He was kind of around while she was figuring out the curse itself, so... He was. Does that give us an inkling of, like, how... Because he, he of course, didn't want her to do it, but he was, like, checking in to see how things were going, so... Maybe he's also slightly corrupt? No, he's not. I can promise you. Henry oh, really well. he really does want her to kind of find the light and find, you know, ways to be happy that don't involve revenge. He tries. He's not very forceful, but he tries. Maybe she's just that good of a liar. That or it's just a she's just got him wrapped around her finger, honestly. I mean, would you be surprised? Not at all. Not at all. I have so much I want to say about this man, but I can't yet. I'm so excited. Soon. The episode that I have more about him soon. But there, there's there's one I won't tell you. That this is just very indicative of his character. I won't tell you who says this to him or when this comes up. But he's very confused by someone entering a room. And their response is, yes, hello, get out, Henry. And he just walks away. <laughs> oh my god. He's just a poor man. <laughs> he... He tries. He tries. Not that hard, though. So one of my um, my my last notes before I can go into other rants about various other topics. Um, I'm here for it. I know. The town hall scene. So I did try to find this. I tried for a long time, but I had some friends helping me also. We couldn't find this. During the filming of that scene, Lana was drawing and doodling on her little legal pad that she had the whole time. She like she drew out like just the people in front of her. She had like doodles of everything and was writing notes in the margin the whole time. I've seen the picture somewhere, but I do not know. I, I, I can't find it anymore. It's, it's not that it's been scrubbed from the internet, but just so much gets posted and looking yeah. up, looking up Lana Perea drawing or something along the lines of sketch with this episode is not very helpful because people draw her very frequently. So you look up Lana Perea drawing, you're getting a drawing of her. That she did not do. So when we publish this, if anybody who hears this has this photo. (laughs) If anyone has this saved somewhere on a file on their computer somewhere, please send it to us so we can share it because it's a very cool drawing. I I really wish I knew where the picture, like where the the picture got released. DM us on on Instagram. Yeah, and please. Because Lauren wants to find this again. And I really want to see it now because you've been talking about it for a week. I know. (laughs) So I, I would really love to see it. I know. But I couldn't find that. But I do actually have a little bit of a fun fact from uh, the filming of that. And I got this from the wiki. And I went back and looked at the scene. And I'm like, oh, my God, you can. Very, very briefly, um, when uh, Regina bangs the gavel, you can see her tattoo. Lana has a wrist tattoo. Ooh. Regina does not. As opposed to Jennifer Morrison and Emma, who Emma has a wrist tattoo, but Jennifer Morrison does not. They have to add hers in in post-production. Lana has a feather on the inside of her, I believe it's her right wrist. Um, oh, that's cool. It's a very cool tattoo, and it's become a, a you know a symbol amongst the evil regals. A lot of people have them. 
Um, it's a tattoo. It's a reminder of hope for her because she said that uh, when she was living in LA and kind of having hard, a hard time, you know, she was like really like down, like thinking like, is this for me? Do I, do I need to do something else? She's like, she kind of like called out into the universe, like send me a sign. Like, am I here? Am I doing the right thing? And she saw a feather kind of dancing in the wind. And then following that many times that she's kind of been in situations where she's felt very low. Um, she's always seen a feather somewhere. Um, and it's kind of coined the phrase amongst the evil regals. Uh, the, but the thing that she said along with this is you are where you need to be. Take a deep breath, which I think is just very nice. Oh, I like that. But yeah. which is funny. Cause I have, I have birds tattooed on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My, mine are Hugin and Munin though. Oh, okay. I have a very faded tree of life henna tattoo that is definitely going to rub off the next time I take a shower. Oh, no permanent tattoos? No, not yet. I don't have any. I have four and I'm getting five and six in January. Nice. So we've been talking about Leopold uh, on and off throughout the episode. And again, I, I now I kind of almost want to watch the episode again to see if his name actually gets mentioned. Like, just throw it on in the background and just only listen for his name. <laughs> just listen for his name, yeah. Um, Leopold is played by Richard Schiff, who is an actor. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's been in the, he's been in the game a very long time. Um, my Mm -hmm. guess is the two roles people would most likely know him from. Uh, he was Toby Ziegler or Ziegler. I don't know how to say the character's name, uh, from the West Wing. Never seen it. Okay. Uh, he's also Aaron Glassman in, uh, The Good Doctor currently, which I think is on, it's on ABC or CBS. I'm not sure which one. I haven't watched that either. That's totally fine. <laughs> That's what other people would know him from. Um, but look through yeah. looking, through looking through his IMDb, I didn't really occur to me because again, with the fandom thing I was saying before, I forget mm-hmm. you know how much people are actually involved in the show because in my mind, you know, they, they take up much more space. So he's Leopold. So Richard Schiff is only credited in two episodes of Once Upon a Time, which for me, I now know. That Leopold is actually only, the, the character of Leopold is only in three episodes. Oh, that's it? Yeah, he's only in three episodes. For for being kind of a, a pertinent character in the story, he's only in three episodes. He's Snow White's dad. He is Snow White's dad. I want to say in an episode in season two, we see someone who's supposed to be him. My guess is he they just didn't get him. My, for, for him just kind of being off in the background, they didn't actually need to bring him back. They just probably got a stand-in or someone that looks roughly his size put him in the costume and the wig and he's good to go. But it never really occurred to me because in the RP fandom, I mean, people tended to latch onto characters that were not in a whole lot of episodes, but they're very, very plot relevant. So I tend to forget kind of what's the fandom and what, what is actually, I guess what was actually in the show. Cause um, people have asked me about my fan fiction uh, that involves Leopold. And I will say I have written Leopold Regina fan fiction. That is not the healthiest it's not a healthy relationship. I mean, we see in this we see in this episode. It's not the healthiest relationship, but it gets. Now I'm it's, questioning if I'm ever gonna read your fan fiction. Nope, never, never. Cool. I'm okay with this. Not this <laughs> stuff, at least. No, it's okay. I've never read fan fiction. Yeah, no. This isn't where I would start you. <laughs> oh God. But like with this, like with the forgetting how much is you know. Like in my mind, I've got this big long backstory for them, right? Or like all these other things. I also have a little more context when it comes to Leopold and his story, um, because I've seen the whole show, so I I kind of know a little bit more. But the part of like the of the backstory of like the neglect and everything, and I'm just like, because it in my mind, it's just he's not a good person. (laughs) 
That's about as much as I feel comfortable saying on the podcast. That's fair. So, because I think, I think, I don't know if I've done the math correctly, but I think I have. Um, Regina, also, this is also the first time I, my brain just went three different places. I'll finish my thought in a second. This is the first time it's confirmed that Regina is her name in the fair, in the Enchanted Forest. She's, ah, she's okay. just been the queen the entire time or the evil queen the entire time um this is the first time that leopold says this is my wife regina the queen so now we know that regina is her name but by my count if i am correct in the way things work which i think i am regina would technically be 26 right now okay it's not stated in the show however based off of the novelization this is the best way we can figure out aging regina marries leopold mm-hmm. When she's 18. Oh, no. And Snow is 10. I, oh. Uh. Yeah. It's not great. Don't like that. No, nope. it's not great. Okay, then. That also makes uh, the line that Maleficent says in the uh, in the second episode of, isn't, uh, isn't she the same age you were when you were to be married before she ruined it all? Yes, you were. Snow cannot be 18 in, in the pilot and in the second episode. It's not possible. Because that would make... Regina, a different age. Well, right? no, because the thing is, Snow, Charming, and Emma are all supposed to be roughly the same age. That's kind of the idea. So so weird. So Emma is twenty eight. So that means that Mary Margaret is twenty eight when the when the curse or Snow is twenty eight when the curse hits. We'll find this out in a while. This isn't necessarily a spoiler. It's just it's a timeline marker. Snow gets pregnant on their honeymoon. Math isn't mathing. Math isn't mathing. Snow can't be 18 when they get married, so she can't be the same age Regina was when she got married. Now my brain hurts. I know. I realize the scene with Maleficent is one of those scenes that I have memorized that I didn't actually recite for you. <laughs> I just listed like the one the how, one line that I thought was funny. How dare you? How dare I? I'm so sorry. But it has the really funny line of, you know, well, well it's her wedding night. I doubt she's suffering right now. I would hope not. So do you want to go into um, some stats and then I can do my last uh, little rant afterwards? Yes. So uh, character eight for me. Mm-hmm. As uh, my personal is a nine and my plot is a 10 because nice. the plot was phenomenal. Very nice. Like I was, I, I took a million notes. So obviously I enjoyed mm-hmm. this one. Yeah. And so my total is a 27. Okay. I like also I realized I said my last rant. I actually have I have a fun fact and then also a rant after my notes. Oh my. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I volunteer to do this. That you did. Um so my score is very, very close to yours. The only difference. I have I gave it an eight for character, I gave it a nine for personal, and I gave it a nine for plot. So I gave it a twenty-six instead of a twenty-seven. Oh, we were very, so very close. close. We were so close. Um, I, it does lose plot markers just because of the abusiveness of Leopold's uh, relationship and how he treats her. Ah. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, I didn't think about that when I yeah, which is fine. scored mine. <laughs> it's a no, but it's it, it oh, really yeah. it's a great episode. It's very you know kind of a plot focused. It's moving the story of it's it's both backstory so we understand more, but it's also moving that plot kind of forward as well. I like getting both. Yeah. And it's a lot of plot in the storybook arc as well. Mm-hmm. So we do see a lot of that. Um, something that the, the fun fact that I want that I wanted to mention before is the technology in Storybrooke. Because um, it kind of plays into the curse and everything. Because we see an up-close image of Mary Margaret's cell phone. 
which is a very old cell phone. Like it's likely yeah. I didn't I haven't looked up the model of it. Um, but I think it's like from the 90s. We're now in this point in 2011, 2012, what have you. Um, something that's actually a feature of the curse. Technology does update. However, they do kind of um, it, it's it's a little behind the times. It gets it's a little outdated. Gotcha. I'm trying to remember what kind of phone I had in 2011. Let's see. In 2011, I think by then I'm trying to think what oh, what grade was I in? So I think I had like like the Envy, like the um the one that like you'd open it to the side and you'd have the keyboard that way. Oh, I remember those. I had one of those. Those were cool. They were cool. But hers is like a like 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 the Nokia, like the phone, like that the the screen yep. is green. It's not doing anything else but like apparently sending text messages, but also like probably very badly. Uh, but also, you know, basically you're just using that for phone calls. You're not doing that for anything else. Um, Storybrick does have advances in technology. It just takes them a while. Eventually, you'll see the computer in the sheriff station. It's running like Windows 95. Oh, my God. It's like it's the gray Macintosh or so it's not running Windows, but it's whatever it's running. It's like it's like that era of like those b- before like the IMAX. Like that's the era that it was. I so. remember using those, too. As do I. This show's making me feel old now. Yeah. But I mean it's it's all outdated. Everything kind of feels a little outdated yeah. but timeless with the way. They also do that with the clothing as well. Um which is always kind of a fun thing to kind of notice. I like the clothing. Yeah. I like the clothing too. Um <laughs> My very last thing uh before uh we I leave us off is a, a little rant on um cuz I I will bring this up. I brought this up before. I'll bring it up again because I you know, this is this is one of the things that I pay attention to is Lana's use of voice when it comes to Regina. Yes, because over the course of the episode, especially in the fairy tale land arc, her voice changes very dramatically, but also like from beginning to end. But over the course of it, it's you no, know, there's very subtle changes mm-hmm. as we go. Um, I would say the voice that she uses for the queen is probably closer to her natural tone speaking voice, because I would even counter that the Regina Mills voice is a little deeper than the way she normally speaks. So I like just watching that trajectory. And I wrote down a couple times, like her voice is deepening. Like as like, she's saying things like even throughout the, um, the, the spiel where she's like telling um, the genie, like, here's your, like, here's your passage out of here. They know that the snake is from your homeland. So you got to go. Her voice gets deeper throughout that whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Kind of showing us it's again. It's really cool. It's she's so good with it. And then at the like, even like this voice is like it's similar to like kind of what we heard at the beginning of the Heart is Lonely Hunter in the funeral scene. And then at the very end, it just like her voice just drops. I wrote down, and there's the evil queen voice at the very end, and that's the voice that we kind of like associate with her is like that deep, raspy kind of voice. And I'm just like, this woman is so good. It's extremely impressive. She's so good with voices, and I just I love clocking that, especially. Um, we'll see like i said we'll we'll see a flashback um that's forthcoming um where she's even younger and i love hearing the juxtaposition of uh, her voice when she uses it in other episodes i just i was thinking of two different episodes in that time period in that in that that one thought my brain's all over the place um that's okay yeah there will be a day when there's a juxtaposition of like the young regina voice but with evil queeny kind of words and actions and it's such a cool juxtaposition to kind of show us where she's at in her evil queen journey and i just think that's very cool and she's 
I, I, I strive for that level of talent when it comes to like vocal control and like vocal intonation. You, you do a very good job, I will say. Well, thank you, darling. Thank you all for listening. Join us next time when we discuss Bob's Burgers Season 2, Episode 7, Moody Foodie, and Season 2, Episode 8, Bad Tina. Don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you listen so you can be notified every time we publish a new episode. And follow us at O-B-D-Y-K underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. This has been an episode of OK, But Did You Know? A TV and media podcast. It was hosted by Lauren and Katie and edited by Lauren.